This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We bring you sports. I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it, please stop it. <laughs> Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form. It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. It is You Better You Bet. It is a magnificent football Monday. It's Nick Costos, it's Ken Barkley, and it's you here with us on the BetQL Network. Simulcast for the next two hours by our friends at Stadium. And what a badass two hours of wagertainment it's going to be as we continue to break down Super Bowl 58, all of our bets. Uh, We haven't even got into the broadcast yet. We'll talk about the halftime show. Eric Eager from Sumer Sports will stop by in 20 minutes, give us a full Super Bowl postmortem. And we will continue, both with Eric and with Ken and myself, to look ahead to next season in the National Football League because it is actually hashtag never too early to do so. And we will do that as we move along in in the program. We're always Uh, first on this show. We're always first. I love that. And I love yeah. that. Uh, Rick Camp will join us coming up in the Power Hour. Jason Sobel in the Power Hour. Bets for NBA and golf, respectively. All of our bets for tonight coming up to to wrap up the show. But can we now enter hour number two? And really all we've talked about from the Super Bowl was our bets and then what was just a topsy-turvy live MVP market throughout the game. And, of course, it was just like, you know, won by the uh, the quarterback of the team that won, Patrick Mahomes, who had the amazing overtime drive to uh, to win the Super Bowl, culminating in the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime to Mecole Hardman. So, my friend, this can be dealer's choice, man. We can go in a million different directions here uh, from Super Bowl 58, anything that tickles your fancy, betting or otherwise. Uh, I, I had one thing written down for the betting market for the game that I thought was interesting. And uh, just, you know, like I... I'm still, <laughs> whether I like it or not, I still I still go on Twitter like a, a pretty good amount, more than I probably should. And I listen to other betting shows and other betting podcasts. I try to just, partly because I'm just like, how do, like, what do we talk about? What do they talk about? I, partly it's like, well, that, that was an interesting point. I mean, make sure to write that down and look that up. Like, it's just, you're always trying to get more information. There was just, uh, there's always going to be a lot, though, of this, like, reference of, like, who the public is on, and therefore I must be on the opposite side of this, and nothing else can be the right answer to the question. And I saw, like, more than usual, I feel like, a lot of people who do gambling content place what apparently for them was, like, a really, like, an uncomfortable amount of money on San Francisco to win the game. Oh, and my concern is not that they... Well, actually, my concern is partly that they did that if, if it really was an uncomfortable sum of money, because that shouldn't really happen. Um, gamble responsibly. But part of it my concern is that the only reason they did that was that they felt like everyone was on Kansas city. And like, maybe this game 
can really act as like kind of a tent pole for the idea that sports are more random than people think. And maybe it can't because people are going to be like, well, Taylor Swift, like it was rigged so that they were going to win and uh, whatever. And <laughs> but, but in terms of San Francisco, there's always this notion. And look, I'm, I'm always curious what everyone's betting too. like, I'm curious Oh, like who's everyone betting in the Super Bowl? That's interesting. Everyone's betting Kansas City. But then at the same time, if it pivots to, well, what am I betting in the Super Bowl? What am I putting my actual money on? Um, I don't think that information has a place in that discussion. I think it has a place in a, just a fun discussion about sports and what people are betting on. I think it absolutely has a place in that. I'm, I'm curious about that stuff, too. Who's everybody on? Oh, okay. Like, wow, really? Like everybody likes this? Uh, but at the same time, then when it comes time for me to put my money on something, I... It just that's where you lose me a little bit and uh and just whenever in the future we get to a situation where it seems like everyone is on something in any event and you are inclined upon hearing that to either question your own opinion on the game or to bet the opposite side solely for that reason solely for that reason let's let's just please remember you know the super bowl you know the biggest game of the year in any sport the biggest betting market the thing with the most money's bet where there would be you would think the most interest in who everyone's on and the most like acceptance of this philosophy oh the public's on this and in this case the public the billions and billions and billions of this isn't a college basketball game tonight and yet despite that and despite like a, just an incredible ton of money coming in on kansas city they won the game anyway because you know what it doesn't matter because just it's too, it's too random the game goes to overtime like come on you know like come on on this stuff so i just it's always tough like when i think when people bet they try to be contrarian and look i like contrarianism too but i like it because of the price i don't like it just because my neighbor's on something and when when you make bets for this reason like I just think you uh, you kind of like deny yourself one of the funnest parts of betting on sports, which is like thinking about the game for yourself and how you think it's going to play out and hashtag like do your own research. Like that's that's like my favorite part. And I won't be like dissuaded in betting like what I think is going to happen in the game if I think the price is good enough. I think that's the most fun part. And maybe people think the other part's fun too about like, well, I want to be against everybody and I want to be on what the sports book needs or whatever. But I just, uh, you play a dangerous game when you do that because I think you can get brainwashed pretty easily to being like that there is a certainty in the outcome of the game if everyone is on one side. And we are presented here with a situation where Mahomes is an underdog, everyone floods into bet Kansas City with their 20 bucks except they won, except everybody won that did that. And so like, not that it has to go this way, the Niners could have won, just accept that it's like so much more random than you think and going into a game being like, I, oh, well, this has to be good because I know who everybody else bet on. Maybe we can like have this more as a little bit more ammunition in that argument that uh, the games are much more random than that. Do you know what it is? I think it's like, like bet what you actually want to bet. Right. Like if you like Kansas City in the game, don't bet San Francisco because you think, oh, well, everyone's on Kansas City, so they can't win. Right. Like, if you liked San Francisco, like if you handicapped the game and you liked the Niners and you bet the Niners, yeah. like, God bless you. There are plenty like, of reasons to like them. I kind of like, like them. But, yeah. um, and look, it kind of became like a little shticky, right? And I can admit that because it's pretty obvious, right? How many people came up to us, Ken, in Vegas, like not just on air, but off air, and with the media members, fans, whatever, that are saying, man, like, I, I like the Chiefs in the game. I think Kelsey's going to have a huge game. And I'm worried because I feel like everyone likes it. And what I said back to these people, and I'm admitting that some of this is for shtick, but also I liked it too. Great, like, we're all going to win. 
Like, everyone's just going to win, and it's going to be really awesome. Like, all the squares are going to win. We're all going to be really happy on Sunday night. It didn't have to go that way, but I, I, I'm proud of myself because I used to be a contrarian like that. Oh, well, 80% of the public's on something. Let me bet the other side, regardless of what the teams are, like how they're coming into the game, what the injury what report the is. What the point spread is. What the point spread is. Yeah, man. I, 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 I think, like, the lesson that I've learned a little bit is just, like, bet what you want to bet. And if that's a contrarian position and like you actually like for a reason other than, well, 95% of the people are on it. Or like like you said, your next door neighbor likes it. Like that's not a good reason to make a bet. Like act, bet what you like. Who cares what the public likes? The public wins right. sometimes. How'd, how'd yesterday just, go? How'd the Super Bowl yeah. go? I think just uh, it's and that's my thing. It's not the idea of like, look, like you're going to sometimes you're going to be contrarian. You're going to win. Sometimes you're going to be contrarian. You're going to lose. But just the idea that I my problem with this stuff is uh Again, I just it's you play a dangerous game because the way the messaging works on this is like, well, we actually know before it starts what it's going to be because of this data, and that's that's where you lose me on this stuff. Look, as a as an as a something to consume as just an entertainment product, I I think it's interesting. Like I click on the tweets, I click on the stuff. Like I'm I'm entertained. Like you know, there's all this stuff. Like a hundred percent of the money is on an over on this prop or something. Like like man, like everybody needs that tonight but i'm also not like oh everybody needs that tonight so let me go bet a ton of money on the on the under why like if you can't measure this stuff in price then uh then you're gonna just have a really tough time i think and i i also like i i know i don't really want us to be the like well don't bet for this reason bet for this reason like you can bet for whatever reason you want i just i don't like the brainwashing aspect uh i like i like open-mindedness and clarity and under acceptance of randomness and like that there's kind of like room for every everybody in the conversation honestly to like have their viewpoint and i bet because of this so i just what i could what i'm concerned about is when it's like it's reported and the way it's always analyzed is like well then that means this that means that before the game even starts because of how the bets have come in we actually know what's going to happen and i i think to a person and in private people would acknowledge like well, there's no way that's what it is. Like sports are too random for that. But when you get like everyone together and so, and this is the thing about social media, right? It, like brings all these people together in the same place. It also means like you can get affected by this. It can get into your brain. Like, trust me, like it's easy to happen. It gets into your brain and you like can't shake this stuff. It's really tough. Um, it's brainwashing, honestly. Maybe that's like a little too sort of like insulting of a word because that implies well, that the person I, that's well, putting well, it out I, is doing I, the brainwashing. Can I, but you know can I qualify I mean. this a little bit? I don't know if right. it's, and like, I know what you're trying to say. Right. I don't know that it's sinister because like the implication, and I, I'm right. not suggesting this is what you you're were right. saying, but I it's, totally but it's almost like, but it's almost right. like the implication is, is that the person that's putting that out is like, is like purposefully trying to trick people. To do it for it's that like that reason. person. Yeah. Right, like that yeah. person probably believes it also the person that's putting right. like the, like the it's intern like for the, for the big account. Right. It's something like that. It like removes part of your ability to like make rational decisions because you're like, well, I was going to make this rational decision about what I liked, but now I'm being influenced by this other information without even maybe even realizing it and it gets in there and it starts messing with your thought processes and stuff like it's tough so look that information is always going to be there i actually kind of like like again i like that this stuff exists i think it's super interesting the problem is like there's a difference between oh i, th I that's really interesting i'm glad i read that to just like well now now one one team must win and the other must die because like it has to be this way and i think there are a lot of people that believe that 
And there are a lot of people that see that a lot of people believe it, and then they start believing it. And then it gets kind of dangerous because I think it just leads people to bet a lot of money when maybe they wouldn't have bet as much money because it creates this irrational confidence is probably the right way to put it, that there's that like this is like this real conspiracy almost kind of thing that happens. And, and I hope that this this game at least like, you know, just it relieves some of that. I feel like for like, it's, it's okay to like the team that everyone likes and that every, it's okay to do that. Like just consider the price and consider kind of like what you like in the game and listen to other people's opinions. I'm definitely not saying don't do that, but just like, I think being a little skeptical in all these situations is a really good idea. You better, you bet with Nick and Ken, Magnificent Football Monday, breaking down Super Bowl 58. Also, uh, <laughs> Anytime Mahomes is ever an underdog the rest of his career, I might just click that button. Well, how many more times <laughs> do you think that's going to happen? I mean, they played an all-time team. I mean, like an all-time. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs, that you saw that, uh, like, by DVOA. What was it? Aaron Schatz probably tweeted it out. Um, Dude, they beat the that, three best teams in the league in a row to win the Super Bowl. Well, the, B- B- Bills, the toughest, Ravens, Niners, goodbye. Toughest path to win a Super Bowl ever. By team quality, not just seed, by team quality, toughest path to win a Super Bowl of all time. Because the Ravens and Niners, and I, I remember saying this at the start of the playoffs, and I think you said it too, like these are like all-time good regular season teams. That doesn't mean postseason teams, but that means like all-time, they they achieved more based on team quality than almost any other team had achieved before. These were two of like the 10 best ever, and the Chiefs beat both of them, and beat one of them at their place, which is almost even more impressive. Um, yeah, I would say like the modern era equivalent would be like my 07 Giants, but the Giants beat Tampa in the first round and Tampa was not right. Like, can't, like the Chiefs beat a Dolphins team that at points was a regular season juggernaut. Right. Limping into in the game, Buff- to be fair. Like yeah, Giants yeah. won in Dallas, in Green Bay, and yep. then the Super Bowl against the That's undefeated Patriots. The, the, Chief, the, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, then won in Buffalo, in Baltimore, and beat San Francisco. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, Let's talk about the game a little bit. We'll do the sure. broadcast, and I, I can't wait to talk about next year also. Um, so I did kind of like an impassioned defense a little bit of Kyle Shanahan to end our number one of the show. And I think he's one of the big stories of the game. Mahomes is obviously other, just that, like, he's Jordan. And he's not, like, no one else is basically ever going to win. I will say that, remember, we used to say this about Brady, and then Peyton Manning eventually won one. So it's not that it has to go like this forever, but that's the arc that we're on right now, is that there's no oxygen for anybody else. Mahomes occupies 100% of it right now um, at the quarterback position in the National Football League. So he's obviously tremendous and wins the game at the end. People think Kyle Shanahan lost the game. What did you make, Ken, of how the game actually played out, won by Kansas City in overtime? Well, isn't it crazy that I feel like if you would ask us at the end of our trip to Vegas, talk to hundreds of people, you know, dozens of guests about who they liked in the game, the consensus opinion among like if you were to take all of it and kind of average it or distill it down to some essence, it would have been like really small difference between the teams, not totally sure who's going to win, but we'll go with the Chiefs because of Mahomes. Like that's pretty much the analysis. Like if you take all the analysis we got all week and distilled it, that was exactly what the game was exactly what the game was the Niners were like a slightly better team or maybe a much better team one of the like the unwritten parts of this game and for it'll be forgotten about because the game was extremely long and had a lot of twists and turns in it just the incredible dominance that the Niners came out with in the first quarter of the game I mean like it was like a 21 nothing kind of first quarter that they played and and it obviously turned to nothing close to that McCaffrey fumbles in the red zone they have a drive stall because of two I mean two Trent Williams penalties of all things like a guy who's like maybe one of the best at his position of all time and you know Chiefs made their mistakes too but at one point in the first quarter, they put up a yards per play graphic and it was like eight to two. And it was like the closing minute of the first quarter. And you just go 
like, man, how are they going to get out of this thing? Like they need to get this to some kind of like one possession tie game. And they obviously did that. They kicked the field goal before halftime, get the ball to start the second half and, uh, and kind of off and running from there. What'd you make of uh, some of Shanahan's decision-making and feel free to disagree with me, obviously. I, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's like a lock go for it on that fourth down. Like, I don't know what I would do if I coach Ken Barkley in that situation. But uh, but yeah, I, I always like aggressive decision making, like when it's close or when you're between two things and there's not an obvious answer. Like you're just you, you can never pencil in that someone like that on the other side is going to fail or not do the maximum. So you have to kind of assume they're going to do the maximum. It's like in golf, like I have to assume the guy's going to birdie the par fives. Like if it's Tiger Woods, he's going to birdie down the stretch. So I have to do this in my round to make sure he does that. And Shanahan did the same thing against Mahomes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm happy I won my bet. I'm gutted for the guy. I'm gutted for Sarah. That charmed franchise for 20 years. Now three yeah. crushing Super Bowl losses in the last 11. Coming up next, Eric Eager joins Nick and Ken to talk Super Bowl 58 and spin it forward to next season. I mean, this is the start of one. Uh, I mean, we, we got Coach Reed, we got Trav, we got a great defense, we got a lot of young players. Um, and everybody says three is a dynasty. We got three, and we're not going to stop there. We're going to keep rolling. And I hope Coach comes back for you as well. Oh, Coach is going to be back. I, I, he's not leaving until he lets me know way in advance, and he hasn't let me know. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. That the voice, of course. A former Chicago Bears quarterback and Sirius XM NFL radio host, Jim Miller, uh, interviewing, uh, you know, Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes after the game. One of my guys. 700 friends in Las Vegas. This is is what happens when, like, when you produce a radio show for someone for a long time, like I did for Mills, is I haven't, like, I saw him in person last week. All I have to do is hear, like, one second of his voice. Oh, yeah, there's Mills on the field with Patrick Mahomes after the game for NFL radio. Uh, Old Miller. No, the great... Like one of the one of the best human beings on the planet is former Bears quarterback. Oh, by the way, it was Tom Brady's backup when they beat the Eagles in two thousand four. Oh. Uh, so as a super, as a Patriots, I, super I remember Bowl. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Know if I Brady's that Brady's direct backup for what is that Super Bowl uh, thirty nine in two thousand four. All right, uh, we will get back to our breakdown of Super Bowl fifty eight. Time flies when you're having fun. Coming up in Oof. just a little bit, Rick Camp will join us. Jason Sobel will join us. We will uh, start talking about next season in the National Football League. Can the Niners get back to hashtag the big game? What about Kansas City? Yeah, spoiler alert, probably, because they have the best quarterback ever. All our bets for tonight coming up at the end of the show. But this is a true story. Ken and I this morning texting with our executive producer, Alex Fasano, about like who do we want to have on as guests for today. And I said, look, like the one guy that I think we have to get on is Eric Eager from Sumer Sports, who was in person with us uh, on Radio Row on Wednesday last week for two segments. Because Eric not only will be able to give us, and like other guests can do this also, I just think Eric's really good at it, not just perspective on Super Bowl 58, the game that we watched last night, but spinning it forward to what we'll see coming up in the future here in the National Football League. Uh, check out the Sumer Sports Football Show with Eric Hosts, along with uh, former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov, and follow him on Twitter at Eric Eager underscore. Double E, welcome back to You Better You Bet. It's Nick and Ken. Uh, also, Eric's very tall, in case people didn't know. How's it going? Congratulations <laughs> to your Chiefs. Well, Ken's also tall. That that was one part where you yeah. just never know in person that who who is what size you know like i i sit in my in the podcast making dimitrov and i look the same height when we're about a foot difference um so yeah, yeah welcome, it, we, welcome to television yeah that's what i used to have to stand on like a box when i used to do segments with brady quinn yes <laughs> <I used> to... <laughs> 
All that height didn't help Brady miss the safety, though. Um, oh, come on. Are, Brady's things, a great guy. No, he's a, he's a good guy. Um, no, it, it was a, such an interesting game, right? There were so many times I texted my friends, I think this game is over. I don't think they can overcome this. And, uh, man, Steve Spagnolo, you know, coached uh, his way out of a paper bag. Uh, I think Shanahan coached his way into one at the end of the game. Uh, I think that uh, Brock Purdy was mostly good, uh, which I think a lot of people who expected the Chiefs to win thought that he had to play like something of a pumpkin for that to happen. Uh, and for the most part, I thought the Chiefs offense kind of reverted back to a lot of the BS that they did all year. But uh, at the end, you can't really write a script that has MBS and McCole Hardman scoring the two touchdowns that helped them win a game. So it was an incredible finish to a, a really weird season, frankly. Eric, uh, I agree with you on the weird season part. Anything about the betting market, I don't want you to be like results oriented here necessarily, but I do kind of want you to be a little bit just because it's kind of interesting to look back at this Chiefs run. Mahomes is axed after the game about being an underdog. He's like, oh, we're like, we're not an underdog to anybody or like we never will be or whatever. And he was an underdog three times. And just how this betting market functioned that there was, you know, at each step of the postseason, a ton of interest in betting against Mahomes for a lot of money from people that are really smart, like people that are smarter than we are, and that they showed up to the window every time to bet against this guy. And honestly, like we're we're wrong three times and I'm wrong a lot too. But like in this high profile situation, like they went against Mahomes and and they got burned. Like what what was kind of most interesting to you? I mean, this could be a postseason market thing too, but just the way the Super Bowl market works and that that's kind of the market we end up with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's important to point out that a lot of these games are one or two plays away from the other event, especially when you're talking about when the Chiefs are underdogs, other than the Ravens game, when they were probably going to cover no matter what happened just because the spread was so big. You look at the Buffalo game, you look at this past Super Bowl, they were a play or two away from not even covering the number, let alone winning. Um, so that that's kind of it, – it's, it's a lot of randomness. Let, let's be honest. Missed field goal against the Bills – uh, you know, Spagnolo calls a, a great blitz by McDuffie when the Niners could have basically kicked, you know, run out the clock, kicked the field goal, and ended the game yesterday. A lot of it's that. I think some of it, though, is that the Chiefs are kind of the quintessential team at getting the more than the sum of the parts. Patrick Mahomes this year pressured on 38 35.8% of dropbacks, the highest of his career. Time to throw was three seconds, highest of his career. Average depth of target, six point nine yards, lowest of his career. He had, he only had two receivers all year with over 500 yards in the regular season. Neither one had 1,000 yards or more. So if you looked at season-long statistics and you really didn't have you, – you didn't look at who the teams were, you were probably betting against the Chiefs. And, and I think they rationally so. It's just that – you know, and the 538 had this issue with the, with the Cavs and their public models when LeBron was, was doing so well with them. You know, some players, you know, they end up being more than the sum of the parts at the right time. And I think that Kansas City was that. And defensively, other than Jones, I don't think that there are any players on the Chiefs defense that going into this year were considered blue chip players by anybody. And yet the defense as a whole, second in the NFL in scoring. And I think it, that's hard compared to a team like the Ravens, who have first round pick after first round pick after first round pick on that defense. The Chiefs only had two top 20 players in the draft on their whole team. And two of them, Blaine Gabbert and Kadarius Tony, didn't even play yesterday. 
So Eric, I have to ask another question just because you're like a very mathematically and analytically driven person. And even I, and like I, you much more than I am, even I think people think of me as like the numbers guy on the show. But when I like handicap these games, especially these Chiefs games, there's a part of me that just wants to like X out of everything and just be like, look, like I, I can't account for this guy. I can't, like, I can't do it. He's too good. And in two, you bring up like a play here, a play there. But like, it's remarkable that in all of those situations, save for like two, and one of them was against Brady, like when two of them were against Brady and one of them was against Burrow, they go his way. And there's been dozens of them. So like that has to mean something at some point, I, I think, or, or you could argue it's randomness, I guess. Like, is there a part of you that when you have a game with like, you know, the Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan of a sport in it and you make numbers for that game, don't you, don't you kind of have to put the thumb on the scale like a little bit when you're figuring this stuff out with this guy? It's so crazy because, yes, I mean, people who were numbers-based bettors or, you know, model-based bettors lost their shirts betting against Belichick and Brady for all those years. And the weird part about the Mahomes-Reed era is from about the middle of 2020 on, they've been well below 500 against the spread. So it's not even like regular season for them the same way. You almost have to have a different thumb on the scale in the regular season than you do the postseason. And so it's even worse than what we've ever seen because at least with Brady – the Patriots were a covering machine weeks one through 21. And now the Chiefs are kind of a team that are kind of, they, they punch below expectations relative to the point spread almost the whole year. And um, and yet at the same time, when it comes to playoff time, expectations get reordered and they end up exceeding those late. So it is really weird. And I, I generally speaking, like don't really, I don't like making numbers on Chiefs games because of what you just said, where, you know, if you, I always think if I'm on the chief side, I'm always like accusing myself internally of being a homer. Um, but if you're on the other side, of course, uh, you've probably never looked sillier in the playoffs over the past four or five years. You better, you better here with Nick and Ken. Magnificent Football Monday following Super Bowl 58, breaking down the big game, spinning it forward with our friend Eric Eager from Super Sports on Twitter at Eric Eager underscore. Eric, uh, another like, soul-crushing Super Bowl loss for San Francisco. Three now in 11 years. Uh, two coached in the last four, obviously, by Kyle Shanahan. This is the first one, though, with Brock Purdy. As you start to project the 49ers moving forward, and there's some discourse happening, like, as we speak right now, that the Chiefs may have kind of, like, solved Purdy, a la what Belichick did to Jared Goff in the Super Bowl when Goff was the Rams quarterback a Even couple years Ravens ago. And, and what the Ravens did, correct? Yeah, on Christmas night um, in San Francisco. When you project San Francisco forward now, is this like, like where's the window? Ajar, open, shut for the San Francisco 49ers with this current constitution of the team moving forward? Yeah, the current markets, which aren't taking big limits, are have them favored. We at Sumer Sports have them a little less favored. Um, and there's been money on the Chiefs today. Uh, I've noticed that have pushed them down from you know fifteen to two to thirteen to two in some places, uh, which has been uh, you know a, a thing. Um, I think their window, guys, is like one year. Purdy is on the third year. You know, either they're going to have to pay him or he's going to suck next year. Either way, that that's going to be a pivot point. Um, they have five players who are not quarterbacks who are going to make twenty million AP or twenty million against the cap next year. They're three million over, which means that they either have to move on from guys like Williams, Kittle, uh, Hargrave, guys like that, or they have to 
basically write extensions that prorate more money into the future, which again means that guys like Trent Williams and so forth are going to be on the team once they're aged out and not as good anymore. And this was already a team that lacked depth, as we saw in the secondary offensive line and to a lesser extent defensive line, which I thought they played terrifically yesterday uh, on the defensive line. So it's probably one year. I think that one year before Ayuk's deal is up, one year before Purdy needs to get an extension of some sort, and one year where they're still going to be paying a 10 football players more than 10 or $15 million to play for them. And that's the rookie quarterback window. And once that, that closes, you either have to find another quarterback, which is almost always a coin flip as to whether or not he's going to be good enough to run the offense, or you have to pay him, which is another probably less than coin flip that he's going to be effective once you have to pay him and not other players around him. So this was a devastating loss for the 49ers. Like there's no way to sugarcoat it. This was, they were the best team in the NFL in the point spread market all year. And this was an opportunity to win one uh, when their chief competitors, namely the chiefs, Bengals, uh, Ravens, all of them were either called lower than expected or were underachieving like the chiefs were this year. 30 seconds for this answer here is Brock Purdy, the guy capital T, capital G, or San Francisco going to think, you think they're going to move on from him after the season? I don't think so. I think that they're going to explore different options at the position after 2024. So, like, like wow. most likely starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers week one 2025 season. Is someone currently not on the roster? You would make that the favorite in the market? Or Brock Purdy onto the fourth year of his deal without an extension. Okay. Whew. What if he's off an MVP season and everybody finally gives him one? Uh, I want to ask you, uh, <laughs> we only got a couple minutes left, Eric, but about the Chiefs and a similar question. They're sort of like competing narratives. I feel like at the start of the year, it was, oh, well, like last year was the rebuild. And now this year they're going to like just dominate because they have they were able to, you know, get players on defense and everything. And then as the year went on and they underperformed, now they win. And it's like, well, now the league's really in trouble because they're going to go get a wide receiver. It's like, what? Like, what? Like, I thought the defense was great. Like, I thought actually this is way better than some of the teams that he's had before. Where where do you put, like, the Mahomes window is going to be every year that he plays until he gets to a certain age. So, like, the window goes forever. But, like, how do you contextualize this Chiefs team with maybe what we might see next year, let's say, in about a minute? Yeah, so they're $24 million under, but Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones, two of their best players, are free agents. Um, they need a wide receiver. They need a left tackle. They were able to get by without them this year. I think what you're going to see is some restructures. I think what you're going to see is one of Snead or Jones leaving uh, because they simply can't afford everybody. Mahomes is the first player in NFL history to win a Super Bowl with the largest cap hit in the NFL. And so to do that, you have to make tough decisions. I think they're going to make a tough decision, which is going to reduce their defense. Now, can they go out and get a wide receiver? They almost have to. I think that they look at this year as a a, a good good to learn from season even though they won the Super Bowl, there's a lot of things to learn from them. It's amazing. Like, like we learn a lot this year. What'd you do? Won the Super Bowl. It's like, it, that's right. the greatness. The, great, the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I want to close with this, Eric. Totally subjective question. Do you think Kyle Shanahan will ever win a Super Bowl as a head coach in the National Football League? I think so. I would say, though, so conditional, he wins one. I think With it's San Francisco coin... or somewhere else also. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a coin flip that it's somewhere else. I think it's Dungy, Andy Reid type where he might leave San Francisco 
and he's not the problem, much like Dungey wasn't the problem in Tampa Bay. Andy Reid wasn't the problem in Philly. He's a great coach, but they need a different voice, and he goes somewhere else and wins the Super Bowl. I think that that's perfectly possible for Kyle. Better head coach, Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid? 30 seconds. Andy Reid is the better coach, and I think now if you look at his ability, what he's accomplished without Mahomes versus what Belichick's accomplished without Brady, you have to start asking some questions. What what questions? I mean, <laughs> he's he's halfway there. And I think Andy Reid's closer Whoa. to Bill Belichick than he is to other people. Yeah. Okay. I'll ride Mahomes' coattails all, right. all the I, way yeah. to the finish line. That's good. I, yeah. I, I, I actually think, Eric, and maybe this could be a conversation for another time, I actually think we've entered into a – and, like, Reid's a first ballot Hall of Famer, obviously. Yeah. I actually think Kyle Shanahan has become underrated as a result of the results of some of these big games. And I've criticized him a lot. I think he's now underrated and not the reason they lost. Uh, Eric, we appreciate it, buddy. Coming on all season. We look forward to doing this in the offseason. At Eric Eager underscore Sumer Sports. Enjoy the Kansas City victory, my friend. Stay well, and we'll catch up with you down the line. You guys are the best. Take care, fellas. Eric Eager joining us here on You Better. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Hey, he's, I got to tell you, he's like, he's, he's maybe on the Mount Rushmore at this point. Uh, more breakdown to Super Bowl 58 on the other side. There have been 530 punts in the history of the Super Bowl, and there's never been one return for a touchdown. Oh, you just threw it out. Put some odds on that. False. It's a fumble, and it's a recovery by Kansas City. You knew something was happening there. You just felt I just it. wasn't sure what it was. Nostradamus again. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo last night on CBS on the call of Super Bowl 58. Uh, next hour on the show, we will start spinning things forward to next season in the National Football League because we're a sports betting show and you can't bet anymore on Super Bowl 58, but you can start thinking about, and you can also, there are markets open, who's going to win next year's Super Bowl. We can start thinking about and conceptualize uh, next NFL season, which is really awesome. We'll do that next hour coming up on the show. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the broadcast last night on CBS, the halftime show. With Usher, we can get it to maybe Reba McIntyre gate with the national anthem. But uh, why don't we start, Ken, with CBS and Romo and Jim Nance? Uh, what'd you think of the broadcast sure. of last night's game? Uh, obviously, like was going to be highly scrutinized no matter what happened because Romo is uh, such a lightning rod. Now he was like the beloved uh, analyst, and now people like to be really highly critical of him. They say that he, he never shuts up, and you know he doesn't really say anything of substance. He just kind of like yells and giggles. Like that's definitely the parody version of what he does. Um, just like I, I usually don't, and we've said this on the show before, we don't usually watch his games start to finish in the regular season because we watch Red Zone. So we, we don't really get like the full like Nance, Romo, Gene Sterator, Jay Feely, you know, like everybody, uh, we don't get that full experience until the, uh, until the playoffs start. I, I don't, Usually I have a strong opinion on this. I watched the whole game. I consumed the whole telecast. I found him very normal for him, I guess would be the right way to put it. Like there wasn't anything about his analysis of the game that surprised me. There were some moments where I felt like he was doing his kind of clairvoyant thing. Like they should, they should do this. They should run this. Here's what the play is going to be. And he was right. There were some times where he did it and he was totally wrong. <laughs> there, were some, there were there were predictions and some of them worked and some of them didn't. I, I always like that stuff. And yeah, you got the kind of boisterous. I will say, I guess I felt like 
the amount of like seven year old girl giggling was not as much in the Super Bowl as it was in the AFC Championship game, where I feel like it was like there were, it was a lot more present. So, I what do I give the telecast? I, like I I feel like it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, knowing who was taking part in it. I was not surprised in any way. I uh I I was expecting to not like it. Like we we've done kind of because our of parody the game. Because no, of the I AFC guess, like, Championship game. I would say mostly because I think that for the most part, since Romo's like electric first season, culminated by, and I've said this on the show before, but I think someone who has been, and you, Ken's the same way, we've been obsessively right. watching sports for for over 30 years now at this point, watching like every sport, every big game. I would put Tony Romo's call, and I'll, and I think a lot of other people feel this way also, of the 2018 AFC Championship game with the Chiefs and the Patriots. I think it's the best uh, uh, the best color commentator performance ever of a game was Romo in that game. And I think since then it's kind of like steadily gone downhill. And I think it was, and Jake is a bad job by me. Is it Brad Spielberger? I think this person goes on, works for pro football yes. focus, goes on BetQL daily. I so. Brad, I, I think Brad's a great Twitter follow and he tweeted this and it's, and it's true, right? Romo will sometimes say things on broadcasts and betray the fact that he doesn't prepare like the way that other broadcasters will prepare for games. And this is not like this is not like reckless speculation by me. Like no one has said to me, "Oh, well Romo doesn't prepare." It's like we all watch the games, and more importantly, we watch other games. So when Tony Romo calls the Bills and the Steelers in the wild card round and he makes these proclamations about Jalen Warren like, "Wow, like this Jalen Warren's really good. I think more people should know who he is." It's like actually like we we all know who he is. Everyone knows right. how good he is. Or yes, he'll he say does. last night, Ken, right. like like Creed Humphrey with the low snaps. Like, wow, that's uncharacteristic of Creed Humphrey to snap the ball low. Have you watched like one Chiefs game this entire year? It's kind of been like a problem the entire season. Yep. So like he'll he'll have those moments where it's like, oh man, like really like just like put in the bare minimum. But uh he'll have these other moments though, especially in the fourth quarter of this game, where when he just and I don't even think it's a shtick. I think this is like, I think he's just being himself. I think that's kind of like who he is. When he just analyzes the game, he might just be the best. Like maybe Olsen's better at just like actually analyzing the game. Aikman gives you analysis with snark and he's a professional broadcaster in a way that maybe the others aren't. I think Aikman's my favorite. But when it comes to just, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's about to happen. And here's what I think this team should do. I think like he might be the best still. So he he still has the potential to be the guy that I thought we all was following the 2018 AFC Championship game. And I think, like, he hit those heights at points of the fourth quarter yesterday in an overtime where I'm willing to forgive him for some stuff as long as he nails everything else. I really thought he was fantastic yesterday, and I know a lot of people disagree. Nance is always great. The jackpot call I thought was really good. But also, like, Nance postgame in the Travis Kelsey interview made it, like, yeah. 50 times better with the Elvis mention when he's doing Viva Las Vegas. Got him to do the Beastie Boys. You got to fight for your right to party. That's, like, like Jim Nance is a Hall of Famer, and I think that stuff maybe goes over the head of some people. Not an insult. Just, like, if you're not a broadcaster, you may not pick up that Nance is doing all that stuff. And just how good he is and how smooth he is. I thought CBS did a really good job yesterday, Ken. And I also did not hate the score bug the way that a lot of people did when uh, when CBS debuted it during the game last night. Well, it's it's really important anytime. So score bug, people know what that means, but just in case you don't like the graphic at the bottom of the screen, that's called like a bug in television. So the score bug, uh, it's whoever does the Super Bowl almost always debuts a new one 
for that game. And it's always different than what they had in the regular season. That's not always true, but it's true like almost all the time that a telecast will uh, for the Super Bowl, like give you something new on the score graphic. And my rule of thumb with this stuff is anytime it's new, people are going to hate it because it just looks different than what they had all season. And that's how I feel about that one. Like if you're if you're upset about how the score was displayed and it was displayed like that, like get some other stuff to be mad about, honestly, because there there are score displays that are brutal that have occurred in history. And that was not one of them. That was about as generic of a score display as you could possibly have. Like I don't know what to what it, like really what's there to be. What were people mad about? It was like as generic a presentation. I almost thought like they went back to like 1988 with how they put like the I liked it or something like it was. Yeah, I didn't have a problem at all. It didn't interfere with my enjoying of the game. People, I think, like that when you have like 1080 HD and now 4K, you want the graphic to take up as little space as possible. Like Fox's is compressed where it's like not all across the bottom. It's like more in the middle. It's like, well, OK, great. Fox also has like anime versions of the touchdown scores that come up in all the situations. And I'm just like these like cell shaded giant humans. I think I'm like, Fox I don't like that. <laughs> like I can, can I watch football on I Fox don't like this those entire season? The graphic. I, I, but I, I still I still feel like on Fox's score bug, I, I never have any idea like how many timeouts the team has. Like I feel like it was so hard to figure that out. And every time just, I watch yeah, game, I'm like, what is it here? Like, come Tough. on, like make this easier for me, please. I just uh, my favorite part, by the way, of the like when the guy scores the touchdown and here's like the cell shaded cartoon version of him is when there's an obscure defensive touchdown. You can actually feel the stress of the person that's running the graphics having to go and find the person or at what point do they pull the ripcord and go like, I'm just putting touchdown and like, I'm not putting in it. There's like this eight seconds where it's like, it's like, give, give me like the randomest NFL player you can think of right now. Um, I'm trying to think, like, like, how about, like, Leo Chanel last night for Kansas City scores right. a touchdown? It's like, oh, it's like Chanel goes in, like, you know, touchdown number one, make, like, a number nine <laughs> like, joke or something. Like, that's like Chanel into the end zone, like, touchdown, and there'll be this, like, seven seconds where the scoreboard will not animate when it's, like, Justin Jefferson, it animates right away, right? Patrick Mahomes, it animates right away. Travis Kelsey, it animates right away. And you can, like, feel the anxiety of the person in the truck, like, oh, no. Like, okay, where is it? All right, all right, all right, hang on, hang on. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> like, and that's like, I don't got it. Or like the wrong guy gets animated. Or it's like, it's all, I think it's the most hilarious because it's you, you, it's so rare in television. You're never supposed to know like what behind the scenes, like whether people are stressed out, whether the telecast is like uh, strained or not, it's all supposed to look smooth all the time. That's the whole point. That's your thing about Nance too. That's why he's so good. And yet there's always this incredible anxiety for like, I can feel it as someone who's been in a control room before where it's like, Oh God, this person is about to have a miserable 30 seconds. Like this is about to be really thick. It's like, who could have predicted that this would have happened? Um, I didn't mind the score bug, your point about Romo real quick. And the when he does when he just does the game like he's the best or something like that like to kind of synthesize what you were saying my only thing there when it's x's and o's strategy i agree with you he tries really hard to do the end game coaching timeout management what should teams do strategy stuff and he always loses his train of thought every time he tries to explain it. He like never gets it. He always like, like, I like that he thinks about that. So like when, when should teams let teams score touchdowns, right? Or like, which is like a crazy thing that analysts never used to talk about. You, and like Olsen usage. nails this to your point. Right, like Olsen exactly. nails this stuff. But, and I think what happens is in this happens to me all the time. Not that I'm Tony Romo, but like, I can actually sympathize with him in my brain. I got it. Like, I got it. I know what it is. And translating that to explaining it to someone else 
is something in honestly on this show sometimes i look back and i go man i did a really bad job of explaining what sounded crystal clear in my head when i like heard it in my head like i know what the message is i just can't I'm too excited. I got too many thoughts. Like I got to do it yes! really faster. Yeah, I don't. No, and it comes out like sure. that, right? We all have our crutches, and for Romo, that's his, and I have mine too. And every time he tries to do one of those, where it's like there's two twenty to play, and there's two timeouts, and there's like some narrative that he wants to get out there about the team needs to do this. It's always like it starts great. And I'll usually have just said the same thing to like who I'm watching with. And I'm like, like he starts doing it at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, like perfect. And then he gets like halfway through and then he like bobbles the ball. It like doesn't, it just something happens and he doesn't say that it doesn't end the right way or he doesn't make the right prediction. He like sometimes like the last thoughts always the wrong one. And I like feel for it because I'm like, your instinct was correct. Like you did the right thing. That's exactly what you're supposed to be talking about. Also, halfway through, you like totally botched what you were saying, and it like didn't go in the right direction. So, I like I he has that potential, but I I always think about like when I do the show, like and he does the get like I, we both kind of do the same thing sometimes, and so I feel bad for him. Yeah, except he he makes like twenty million dollars more than both of us do. Well, so like get it right, Tony. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know what's what's sick? You know who I think the best NFL broadcaster is at that the end of game stuff and explaining it is actually, like, not not a color guy. Tariko. Oh. Like, does Tariko yeah. ever get anything I was going to say, I was gonna say that combination. Wrong? Like, I was going to, you know what's I was going to say Collinsworth when you said that, but I go, once you said that, I go, oh, well, that's not right. It's, like, both of them, and it's because of Tariko, probably. Should, uh, like, should Mike Tariko coach an NFL team? <laughs> <laughs> should they fire Kyle Shanahan and, and hire Mike Tariko? <laughs> That the sports radio airways. I mean, I mean, God Almighty. We'll talk about the Usher halftime show to start hour number three, and we'll start spinning things forward to betting next season in the NFL.